0: You are listening to Tune In, it's radio for your mind, body, and soul. Welcome to the show today, and uh, welcome to the sound of my voice. Today, I'd like to ask you a little koan to start with, a little something for you to contemplate, a quick little question, what does kumbaya mean to you? I'm your host, Keela Parkinson, and today we are going to be talking about that question, what is kumbaya? What is kumbaya? We don't have any guests scheduled today. We're having another little appointment with the Coach Kiki Blog, and at the end of the show, uh, I will read to you a sneak preview post of something that has not gone up yet, but will be up in a couple of weeks, uh, at the max, hopefully, and uh, that is a little piece called In Defense of Kumbaya. (laughs) Maybe you don't know this word, but probably you've heard it. It can be ubiquitous. And a lot of people know it can be sort of shorthand for a Pollyanna vision, you know, of just like the hippie love fest, (laughs) the stereotype of holding hands and singing kumbaya. And, uh, you know, if you have never participated in that act yourself, then it remains a stereotype. But if you have, you might have some different thoughts about that. So I'm going to share some different thoughts I have about that at the end of our show. And in the meantime, we are going to get into some other blog posts and some other fun things. And uh, I hope you're ready. So grab your tea, settle in. Um, Maybe you are doing some multitasking, driving or cleaning or whatever you do when you listen to the radio or your favorite podcast. And uh, I invite you to join me on this journey as we talk about and contemplate not just kumbaya, but mindfulness in all its ways. Our show is about mindfulness, and that is our purpose, as it is every week, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central Time uh, in at wvlp.org or 103.1 FM in the Valparaiso, Indiana listening area. And today, I really want to start the conversation, though it's one-sided, <laughs> with you by, um, by inviting you to reach out and share information. So check out a conversation we can have at facebook.com slash radio. If you are not a Facebook user, <laughs> well, you're a rare breed and that's totally fine. You do you and we love you for how you are because I'm a little Mr. Rogers over here. Um, I'm a little blend of Mr. Rogers and Bob Ross <laughs> and a tiny little uh, female body. So, the other thing I would like you to do is invite you to reach out by voice, and there are a couple of ways you can do that. One is to call our radio station, which is at uh, U.S. area code 219... Sorry. four seven six nine thousand. And so again, 219 476 that's in the United States. And so uh, country code, I believe, 011. And then you can also reach out to me keila parkinson and our station wvlp through me by just leaving a voice message for our show at Anchor. If you are not a um, user of Anchor, then you know check that out. Anchor.fm is the website, and you can find our show directly there at anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio. If you do a search for our podcast on your podcast platform, you can find it uh, by searching the whole title tune in colon radio for your mind, body, and soul, or just, next hurdle, (laughs) spelling Kela Parkinson. My first name is K-E-A-L-A-H. And so you can bookmark that and find it anytime. We produce new content weekly. Some of our content today is also thanking our sponsors. Uh, We have some amazing underwriters, I should say, on our show. And that includes coachkiki.com which is communications coaching practice i happen to be coach kiki <laughs> in my other life and um so obviously i bring a blend of mindfulness to what i do as a communications coach and i do want to uh, thank the website um thank the people who work on the website and um, there are some glitches I'll be addressing today on this show that will be fixed soon because of some great people who work on the website. And um, there are some great tools there that listeners can use, anyone who might be interested in communications coaching. You'll hear more about that and our other underwriter, Unity of Northwest Indiana, later in the show. And a you'll hear also about a great mom's ministry, so to speak, uh, a service of just reaching out and providing support to mothers, whether that is creating safe places for play groups, um, having that nature walk that the show has mentioned several times that is now open and available at Unity of Northwest Indiana in Dyer, Indiana. So also in Northwest Indiana. And, uh, or just, you know, having also a Facebook group, All Mothers. So facebook.com slash group slash All Mothers, one word, A-L-L and mothers. And, um it's sort of a, a nod to the Aloe Mothers concept, um, which elephant tribes do, where moms support moms. So that's the, that's the service. Lastly, of course, I really want to thank WVLP. And I'm just going to move into a pledge spot here because WVLP is an amazing community radio station in Valparaiso, Indiana, and has continues to provide this service of community radio when grassroots is I think more important than ever and grassroots that reaches globally is amazing and WVLP is both of those things. WVLP is your community licensed public radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. By community licensed, we mean that we serve no interests except the people of Valparaiso and surrounding Northwest Indiana. And, you know, that is growing. It also means that we must rely on our listeners and underwriters to support the station financially to keep the great programs you have come to expect, like Tune In on the air. WVLP is facing a serious cash shortfall still, with our major fundraising events both canceled in 2020. So if you are a WVLP listener, now is the time to take the next step and become a member today by donating online in whatever amount you are able at wvlp.org support any listener can do this now wvlp.org support and we thank you for your support and I thank you for being a listener of Tune In, and I really I cannot wait to connect with you more, and encourage you to reach out and to share the love, as, <laughs> as we say on this show a lot, and to uh, share with me your own kumbaya stories of what kumbaya means to you. Remember, that's what we're contemplating today. As we move into that, let me uh, take the ever-present tea break here with a little slurp. Did you catch that? And uh, and I allow you to join me again. So settle in and um, here we go. I'm going to read you a couple of more posts from the Coach Kiki blog. And as promised then at the end, a sneak preview of a long post, <laughs> which is actually the precursor to, and probably the entry to a intro to a book that is forthcoming. So, it, And it will be called In Defense of Kumbaya. But to start with, we are going to look again at the 60 Days of Many Mindfulness, and uh, we're going to read one post from day eight titled, Let Me Teach You a Coaching Tool. One quick many mindfulness trick. Over the last two weeks, I've been invited to speak at two different events aimed at busy women looking to de-stress. Each time, I took about 15 minutes to address the crowd, walking them through the dreaded fight or flight experience that stress puts our bodies through. People share that they feel the stress at different places in their bodies. At last night's Girls' Night Out event, for example, capitalized, one woman shared that she felt it as a tightness in her chest, while another said it lived in her stomach. They call the emotion they equate with stress different things too, from fear to sadness, to worry to anger. Last night, one participant said she was actually overly excited and causing herself stress from happiness. Then there are the thoughts that come up in stressful moments, whether they manifest as negative self-talk or unrealistic blaming of another person. Our thoughts often take on exaggerations when we're stressed, sounding like, I never get this right, or he always does this to me on purpose. Fight or flight affects us in many ways at once. Our bodies, brains, moods, and thinking all get attacked by the stress chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline that help us survive truly life-threatening situations. But these Autonomic responses become liabilities when we actually need to think our way through to the other side. One exercise I teach my clients to help reach this necessary higher level thinking is what I call the BMT index with a trademark. It's what I shared with both of my recent audiences as a takeaway homework assignment, and it's something I use myself on an almost daily basis. The BMT index is simply about answering the following questions in any given situation. One, what does my body feel? Two, what are my moods? Three, what are my thoughts? I say any given situation because you don't have to be stressed out to use it. It's another way of noticing what you're noticing or gaining the metacognition needed for mindfulness. It's truly the most amazing many mindful tool in my coaching arsenal. And one of my favorite ways to use it is to set an alarm on my phone that plays my favorite song on the hour, and reminds me to log my own BMT index. The self-awareness I gain is astounding, and the domino effect on my thoughts, behaviors, and actions is wonderful and often enlightening. Try it for yourself and see right now. What does your body feel? What are your moods? And what are your thoughts? Here are a couple of pointers to keep in mind as well. When answering the B question for body, remember that we're looking for physical sensations. If you answer that your body feels stressed, that's not a defining enough answer. Think about where in your body you feel that stress sensation, or just run a review of your entire body from head to toe and list what you feel, like sinus pressure, tension in my neck, hunger, and itch on my right calf. M stands for moods not mind as people often want to jump to remember your thoughts are listed last for a reason namely being that our bodies give us a clue about what we're feeling emotionally while our thoughts tend to complicate it if you have difficulty determining what your emotions are just stick to the major four that all others derive from mad glad sad and scared take a moment now The T for thoughts is last, allowing you to take an observational stance as you list them, instead of allowing them to control you and send out more stress hormones. If you're feeling overwhelmed by a slew of thoughts and don't quite know how to tease them apart, try taking your major, most pervasive thought and putting it into a sentence format, e.g., I am sad right now. You could also play a game with yourself, smiling every time you notice a red flag word that denotes exaggerated thinking like always, never, forever, or should. Day 8 many mindfulness tool, the BMT index self-awareness check-in exercise. So that is the day 8 post from the Coach Kiki blog on 60 days of many mindfulness. And if you had not tuned in previously to our show a few weeks back where I was reading from the Coach Kiki blog, then you have not had the luxury of hearing about why I was doing this 60 days of many mindfulness journey. And so just a quick little synopsis with that. Um, You know, there was this era in my life personally where I just was not able to get Zen, um, really even feel like I owned my life because I had a baby and a toddler. And a lot of moms can relate to that. A lot of dads, a lot of grandparents who are very active grandparents and uh, maybe never expected to get back into that role. Um, there are lots of reasons for all of us, even if you are not a parent, where um, you know life explodes and chaos ensues. Um, it could be a move. It could be grief. It could be that you are a caregiver for someone who is sick or ailing or dying even. It could be that you are a caregiver caregiver for a child with special needs or an adult child with Special needs. It could be that you live with a narcissist, (laughs) right? And that you—I mean, I'm laughing, but this is a very serious issue for a lot of people. Could be that you are in a relationship where someone is controlling you, and you don't get a lot of space for yourself. To you, don't get a lot of choices. If that is a situation for you or someone you love, I highly encourage you to listen to our great interview with Jeannie Ruiz, um, and that is also at the podcast and. You can't at anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio. And you can hear great resources and ways to support someone and help them get free. So, um, and hear her personal story and testimony for her own experiences with that. If you have these situations, it may seem like trying to practice meditation or even just mindfulness and being present. A, is something you don't want to do. Maybe you want to really escape the challenges of your life, which I understand and empathize with. Or B, you know, it seems like just one more task on the to-do list. And so let me just speak to that for a second and say that uh, that's not always the case. Um, What actually happens in my experience is when I do put the little extra work in and I get myself centered, I have a centeredness and a peace of mind and a resourcefulness in my brain where I actually can make better, clearer decisions and feel stronger and more co- confident in holding my ground and holding my boundaries in solving my problems in creative ways and feeling like I can enlist support, feeling creative about reaching out and how to find that support. It's actually a real brain boost and it certainly minimizes the chaos Even if outwardly nothing changes, internally my response changes, and that is huge. So this is why I'm such a huge proponent of many mindfulness and getting mindful and using, even if it's not meditation, just quick check-ins like this BMT index. Thank you again for joining me on this journey today as we read some more of the Coach Kiki blog and some 60 Days from Mini Mindfulness and as promised, our longer, interesting post on Kumbaya. Today's show is underwritten in part by Kiki Productions, Inc., communications coaching, teaching exercises to help you cycle out a fight or flight in the moment. With a mission to create individual harmony to add peace to the world, Kiki Productions, Inc.'s philosophy is when you are confident, focused, and authentic with your message, you are a magnet to those you wish to attract. So share the love at coachkiki.com. And you are listening to Tune In Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul at WVLP 103.1 FM. Again, broadcasting around the world at WVLP.org and on the Tune In app. What do you know? <laughs> tune in to Tune In on Tune In. Yep. You can also call the station and uh, <laughs> air your grievances for my cheesiness <laughs> at US area code 011 and 219. 476 thank you very much for tuning in today as we have said and i uh, also want to apologize for some of the pauses today i have been having a few uh technical glitches which are getting worked out so everything is good all is in divine order (laughs) and um it actually might be better because I know I speak very quickly many times, and so you're getting a break from <laughs> trying to digest that. So thank you again for listening to this, and I, with my apologies to non-parents, I am going to dive into two posts back-to-back that are parent-oriented. So um, they are, they're geared toward mothers, but again, this is something that anyone can do. So remember, Uh, I was speaking from my experience of being, at the moment, a mother to a toddler and a baby when I was writing these blog posts. And so that's where this perspective comes from. And so if you are a mother in that situation, or a mother of teenagers, perhaps, (laughs) living the toddler years all over again, then this day 10 post is for you. And of course, it's for other listeners to just tune out the mom parts, but listen to the rest. It's called The One Meditation Every Toddler Mom Must Try. And it starts. It's day nine. Sorry, that was the wrong one. (laughs) It starts day 10. If you're a toddler mom and you're anything like me, you're someone who once spent long blocks each week in meditation or at a minimum had free time and freedom of choice to try new things at will, but now you don't. Your life looks nothing like the days of old pre-kids and that's okay, especially as long as it's temporary, which everyone keeps telling you it is. You believe them. Hey, they look like they've showered today and there aren't other smaller people's food stains on their clothing, so they must be doing something differently than you. But in the meantime, you still pine for those little glimpses of the old days. I'm here to tell you, you can have those glimpses, maybe just glimpses, alas, but still. And there is a meditation that you, yes, even you can do today. Trust me, I did it today myself and I actually felt like I meditated. Did I reach nirvana? No, but not every meditation is meant to bring us there. Heck, yogic meditation never strives for nirvana. So why worry? Just pick something realistic you can do now. That meditation is the bell meditation. I don't recall exactly where I first learned of the bell meditation, John Kabat-Zinn maybe, but I know I first used it at night. You see, bedtime meditation often put me to sleep. Sometimes that was actually the point of the exercise, but I went through a phase where I really wanted to reach a truly mindful state before going to bed to help me set my intentions for the next day. The concept includes three very simple parts. One, assuming a meditative position and focusing on your breath. Two, going deep within to breathe in a fully meditative way. Then also noticing how your body feels physically and any emotions or thoughts you have with the form of objectivity. Three, broadening your awareness to include not only your own experience, but that of your atmosphere. For instance, what sounds you hear or smells you note. I call it the bell meditation, but I admit it's really more of an hourglass shape, narrowing your focus internally before bringing it out again in full. For more than a year now, I have been a firm believer that the days of meditation were definitively on hold for me, hence my 60 days of many mindfulness journey as an effort to put a little peace in my life moment to moment. But as I become more mindful, I'm starting to feel brave enough to venture out to that old territory of actual meditation. The bell meditation with its simplistic template and clearly defined start point and end point seemed perfect. And so today I stole one moment to myself when I thought no one in my family was really paying attention. Wouldn't really miss my presence's absence. And I honest to God meditated. Here's how it went down. We were sitting in the minivan, my two little ones and I, waiting for my husband to feed our cats and lock up the house before we headed out for an extended family get-together. I was touching up my makeup in the car's visor mirror when it hit me. This is the time. I closed the visor, capped my lipstick, and put it away in my bag, and then put my hands in my lap and closed my eyes. I took an in-breath and simply concentrated on my breathing. I breathed normally for a few breaths, then slowly began to elongate those deep pulls in and long exhalations. I went within. For me, this involves an automatic, almost reflexive eye roll up to my third eye. In other words, I look upward at the spot between my two eyebrows. I also breathe even more deeply and focus on the images behind my closed eyelids, whatever those may be. Today, I sort of glossed over this inward curve of the hourglass or bell and simply focused on my breathing, but forgot about what I was feeling and thinking, although I did briefly notice myself noticing that I had thoughts. I quickly went on to the third and final section of the meditation, total awareness. I felt it peace wash over me. Not only was it a peace born of meditative practice, but it was also a relief at being able to include my two kids in this meditation. I had permission to focus on their sounds and energy instead of working to block them out or detach from them. And amazingly, I did detach. I felt myself smiling softly as I also shifted comfortably almost automatically to find an even more fully relaxed position in my car's driver's seat. I'm not sure how long my meditation lasted, perhaps two minutes, possibly five. It wasn't long, but it was, and it has made me believe that even I, toddler and baby mommy that I am, can meditate. The day 10 mini mindfulness tool is the Bell Meditation. Read more about its ever-evolved cousin, the three-minute breathing space, and, the, and it's linked in the article, now used in a newer type of therapy known as mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And so that is the day 10 post, the one meditation every toddler mom must try. (laughs) When we come back from our next break, I will read you day 11, which is the real meditation every toddler mom must try. (laughs) Listeners, you are listening to Tune In radio for your mind, body, and soul. And I am your host, Keila Parkinson. We are broadcasting from WVLP 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, Indiana, and streaming live around the world at wvlp.org. Our show is underwritten in part by Unity of Northwest Indiana, currently developing the premier center for spiritual growth and education in NWI with meditation walks and retreat house events. Learn more and support the growing movement at unitynwi.org. And um, as I mentioned before, their peace pathways are open for exploration now. So go on that website and call the office and set up a chance to check out uh, the, the great peace pathways that are there in these these beautiful the, the acreage of nature if you are a fan of Gabbis arboretum for example it might be something that you love so back to the coach kiki blog and thank you for writing on this journey again today and um as always for joining me in tea breaks here and there <laughs> so I get my voice out today um so day 11 is The Real Meditation Every Toddler Mom Must Try. And it begins. If you read my post yesterday about the one meditation every toddler mom must try, you know I've been bastardizing the three-minute breathing space or 3MBS meditation for more than a decade. I have honestly believed that I was introduced to something called the bell meditation in the early 2000s, possibly by John Kabat-Zinn, though I'm going to have to dig out my old Kabat-Zinn guided meditation CDs to verify that. After practicing the, quote, more evolved cousin of bell today i will go on record now and swear that i must have been smoking something of course it's possible that both are true read my day four post for more on that and um, day four was about the serenity prayer where i share some points about being in recovery myself and using the serenity prayer so back to this post. <clears throat> Regardless, during the kid's nap time today, I set out to do an experiment. I practiced both my possibly misremembered bell meditation, Day 10 and the documented 3MBS back-to-back. One made me feel good about myself. The other, guess which one, made me feel completely centered and level. Could 3MBS have had the advantage since I practiced it second and was already feeling the benefits of mindfulness? Yes, that's true. But what I think really happened was that I did a mindfulness-based cognitive therapy practice that has documented benefits, and I felt the results. Excuse me. Once again, I meditated in the minivan. I'm beginning to think I should rename this blog Minivan Mindful. (laughs) I felt the same kind of relief I'd felt yesterday with the bell meditation. Yay, I can actually listen to my kids while I'm meditating. (laughs) Then I settled in for three MBS. I set a timer on my phone using chimes for the alarm indicator. I would have preferred a lightly dinging bell, but it wasn't an option. I assumed the posture I always assume when meditating with my hands in my lap, palms down. I did the self-check-in scan and inverted BMT index, Day 8s post, and tripped myself up a bit with the order due to habit. I smiled and noticed this too. Then I concentrated on my breathing. My cell phone kept vibrating and I had to work hard to focus on my breath over the sound. I started to notice myself noticing that when I remembered this part of the exercise was for internal focus. So I refocused, choosing to concentrate on the tip of my nose and the heat and cool of my breathing. This worked wonders. Soon it was time to move on to awareness and I let myself start contemplating all those thoughts and sounds and sensations I'd blocked out during my breathwork focus. I felt an expansion. It was a lightness of being, a oneness, an acceptance serenity, if only for a moment. With probably about 20 or 30 seconds left to go, I began to feel a creeping impatience. This let me know that my bell practice over the last couple of days was likely only a couple of minutes long at best. When the chimes sounded, I opened my eyes with relief, this time thinking, it's over, and recalled my novice practice in my 20s when I used to set a timer just to see if I could actually focus for three solid minutes, often doubting my ability to, as opposed to now, blaming that unlikelihood on my external surroundings. How times have changed, and yet they have not. I couldn't wait to get back to my conscious thoughts, my waking life, my buzzing cell phone. Day 11, mini mindfulness tool, the simple art of 3MBS, or three-minute breathing space meditation. Read about it all over the web, but particularly here, and there is a link to an article. And um, so... I, you know, it may not really have seemed like much of a difference. It was just sort of like a switch in the order and um, an ability to go a little deeper with the way the order was switched. I think that in my addled brain <laughs> and recall, um, you know, be it from my younger days' lifestyle or be it from my mommy days' lack of sleep when I was blogging about this, I had just sort of um, used this bell concept as a kind of quick quickie um I guess templates to help me remember the order of operations for the 3 MBS, which I I did learn from Cabot Zen. And so um here it is, spelled out a little more. And again, you really can find this all over the internets and learn so much more about three minute breathing space. So, uh, those are the two mom blog posts that I promised and apologized for to non parents. And um, then uh, I want to also share something that will serve as a bit of a segue into our as promised kumbaya stories. And so, this one I'm going to go back in the order of the blog posts and I am going to day 6 which is titled oh let me I have to click another link to load it here going back to day 6 on the coachkiki.com blog and it is called find your people find your bliss or human connection and uh so let me preface this for a second because we all just went through this isolation period that was a collective trauma in a lot of ways and so uh let me just prep you and say you know i'm going to reference some things that were written way prior to our isolation period of this covid pandemic era and um they're going to have probably a personal meaning for you as you hear this which they may not have had before and so uh i want to first of all just honor that, give you a chance to say, you know, maybe I don't want to hear this part or, um, but give you also the confidence and the acknowledgement that um, you can listen to this and you are allowed to grieve anything you have experienced and you are allowed to feel the feels because uh, life has been a challenge. And and life goes on for those of us who are still here living this life. So that is not to say anything about, you know, like suck it up and get on with it. It's about um, you are here, you are blessed and, and we are here together. So uh, let's move into then this blog post, human connection, find your people, find your bliss. Today, day six of my 60-day journey of many mindfulness I very happily used the tool of personal connection to achieve a mindful moment. Actually, I used it a few times. I'll tell you in a little detail about one of them. But first, some background via highlights from an online article in The Atlantic called Social Connection Makes a Better Brain. <clears throat> Findings include that connecting with other people makes you happier, according to fMRI brain studying. By contrast, other studies show that as social isolation increases throughout society, so do the stats on suicide and depression rates. Happiness quotients have gone down. There are even correlates showing physical pain increases during isolation, rejection, and depression. Connection doesn't just make us happier, it also makes us healthier, the studies find. Just ask anyone who's ever practiced the traditional Buddhist loving-kindness meditation and they'll tell you how incredibly good it feels to practice empathy. And that's just imagining being nice to someone. The feedback loop we get from reciprocal, face-to-face connection is uber-empowering. But can this connection count as mindfulness or even many mindfulness Perhaps so, if the person you're connecting with just happens to be a mindfulness guru. My friend Dana does not call herself this. In fact, Dana Samarjic is a lot like me. Also a wife and a mom with her own coaching practice, Dana specializes in helping professional women manage work-life balance via mindfulness and other tools. She's a life coach and the author of an e-newsletter called Mindfulness Minute, which you can read back issues of at her LinkedIn account, and I also link it in my article. This Mindfulness Minute has been a mini mindfulness tool in its own right for me many times. She'll write things like, use this time to pause, be here now, and open your heart. She often encourages you as the reader to literally stop what you are doing and take a moment to practice a form of mindfulness. She teaches me all sorts of things, great things. And it's not just through her Mindfulness Minute that I learned from Dana. As colleagues, she and I participate in a coaching trade agreement. Once a month, we meet at a coffee shop and take turns spending 30 minutes in the hot seat, reaping the rewards of the other's expertise. We also share tricks of the trade about our businesses and even swap stories about our families as friends. During my turn under the coaching microscope this morning, Dana reiterated my belief that I'm already starting to see a benefit of this many mindfulness journey. It's more about consistency than it is sitting and doing 30 minutes a week of intense meditation, she said, regarding the benefits of metacognition. That's when you start to notice change, she told me. I look forward to my monthly coaching trade with Dana. It kicks off my workday by helping me find my center. Not to mention, there's the human connection we get through the act of hugging hello and goodbye. Read here with a link for more on the benefits of positive touch. Day six, many mindfulness tool, human connection. Facebook, Twitter, and email don't generally count unless you're feeling measurable amounts of empathy for the online posters, then responding in kind somehow. Prayer and loving kindness meditation can also create the same benefit. So ask yourself, how often am I reaching out to others? So... That was day six on human connection, and you know, even though this post was written five years ago, so much has changed in the world right now. So much of the way we do connect is Facebook and Instagram and uh, Twitter for some, <laughs> and, um, and you know, also through remote connection like Zoom and FaceTime and Skype and all of these. Jetson like video phone things, right? <laughs> if anybody remembers the Jetson cartoons. <clears throat> George and Jane Jetson and their kiddos and um and the video phones that seemed so cool when I was a kiddo. And um so you know, they really do work to connect us. We actually can feel and an emote and have empathy for each other. I certainly have had that experience many, many times in recording this podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, and interviewing people through Zoom. So I'm taking another tea break here for my voice. Mm. Okay. It's got a little honey in there too. And, um, and so, you know, there are ways to connect remotely and we found that out too and we found that it's better than nothing we found that being in person is a lot better maybe some of us who are introverts found that being in a crowd uh as as being an option instead of a the norm was great <clears throat> but um you know we love human connection and hopefully uh this being recorded in 2021 you are in a place now where you are connecting with the people you really have wanted to connect with. And um, I know that that looks different for everybody, especially around the globe. Um, There are several countries that are going back into isolation, back into shutdown. And so if that's your experience and you are grieving that right now, then I want you to know that I am reaching out to you in my heart, and I'm sending you love and compassion. And many of us in our region of Northwest Indiana are doing that. So um, human connection also happens in the heart, in the soul, in the mind, in the spirit, in the memory. And it is certainly something that can help us find our bliss. And when we do that type of centering, it is a way to be more empathic and more connected and so therefore more mindful in one form and um i am getting ready to segue into the kumbaya post and um i probably will take one maybe a little early station identification break here just to say that um just to get us I guess to keep track of the time. And, um, again, I want to share with you that this is something I have written, um, that I wrote in response to someone calling me kumbaya and good-naturedly this time. (laughs) And, um, and it was fine, but, um, I got to really thinking, like, why is that still a thing? You know, why do we still dismiss each other in that way? And so um, I just really thought that I wanted to kind of speak to that at some point. And um, it wound up being a great kumbaya of its own just writing this article. So before I go there, <clears throat> let me thank you again for tuning in to tune in on WVLP 103.1 FM which broadcasts around the world at wvlp.org. And I'd also like to let you know that our show is underwritten in part by Kiki Productions, Inc. Communications Coaching, which you can find at coachkiki.com. And you can also find these blog posts there. And also by Unity of Northwest Indiana, which is unitynwi.org. So now we're going to get into the thing you've been waiting for perhaps and i did ask you at the top of the show um what does kumbaya mean to you and you know maybe you're thinking i want you to actually define the word which is fine because not everybody knows what its definition is um and so well this article speaks to that a little bit as well and um as you're listening to it you may be thinking about what it means to you in a different way you may have your own as I'm calling them now, kumbaya stories. And so think about those. And if you have something that it's on your heart to share, then I encourage you to reach out and connect and share your kumbaya stories, either with people that you know, and you love, and you respect in your family, in your friend set, in your community, Um, maybe someone that you're learning to trust and get vulnerable with, or, um, you know, share it here as well. Reach out. I've been giving the station phone number, and so reach out and share your Kumbaya stories there. Reach out and share them on our Facebook page, facebook.com/tuneinmindfulradio. Leave me a voicemail message on Anchor. <clears throat> I am Kela Parkinson, and you can find me in a lot of places. And um, you know, just reach out and share your Kumbaya stories because the more we connect, the more we grow. Okay, one more tea break. Take a step with me here. And here is our article titled In Defense of Kumbaya. It starts with a quote That's just a lot of Kumbaya. <clears throat> How many times have you heard that or thought it or even said it as a way to dismiss positivity for being, quote, unrealistic, as in, oh, why don't we all just hold hands and sing kumbaya, said while rolling eyes to the back of one's head. You can probably guess with my mala beads and loving kindness meditation habit and youthful days spent as a Christian church camp counselor that I've had such statements directed at me many times in my nearly five decades on the planet. It's been said to me and of me both derisively and good naturedly. But the point of such a sentence is always the same to dismiss love. I probably used to get worked up and offended in response when I was in my 20s, at least some of the time. But for years now, my inner and often outer response is a laughing smirk. You see, I know a secret. Kumbaya is not a song about skipping through the roses. With mysterious, much disputed roots as an American spiritual song, originating either in Africa or African American slave camps in the American South, or likely some combination of both ultimately, it was co opted in the 1920s and 30s by American folk singers, then reappropriated yet again by American youth camps, such as the scouting organizations and Christian youth groups, often by white American children and leaders. Hence my own exposure as a Girl Scout and camp goer in the early 1980s. But if you ever actually have joined hands with a group of people, some strangers, some friends, all souls on the same journey, regardless of race or origin, and sung the powerful moving lyrics and the haunting tune to this deeply moving song, you know what it's like to transform grief, to honor and savor joy to live deeply with quiet strength and determination through the face of all of life's trials and triumphs, even the final transmutation of death. The lyrics to Kumbaya, sometimes spelled without the H on the end, are simple but profoundly deep and rarely the same. Like all origin stories, be they myths, legends, fairy tales, or folk songs, this one is not static but ever-changing. Different tribes and groups have interpreted and articulated these lyrics in myriad ways. I myself have sung many varying versions of it. In case you aren't familiar, here's a sampling. Someone's laughing Lord Kumbaya. Someone's singing Lord Kumbaya. Someone's weeping Lord Kumbaya. O oh, Lord Kumbaya. The kumbaya part that may sound like gibberish to the uninitiated is either an African or Gullah phrasing for come by here, spoken perhaps like come by here, I can't say it right, by original singers. So the repeating refrain that somehow has a reputation for being some namby-pamby, wishy-washy utterance for simpletons who lack depth and logic is in truth a powerful, empowered plea that recognizes God in everything and all experiences, able to overcome through deeply profound acceptance and receipt and perhaps that's the sticking point kumbaya the song and the phrase is about receipt its power its strength is invisible not some show of force but rather a deep silent call to action kumbaya as a song and a concept is about calling forth a higher power and otherworldly cavalry of support that can assist in any situation at any moment and make a miracle Some of the alternative lyrics exemplify this even better. Someone's praying, Lord. Someone's crying, Lord. Hear me singing, Lord. In the morning, Lord. Now I need you, Lord. Come by here. As I sat with my notebook At a neighboring nature preserve in Indiana yesterday, just over the Illinois border to Chicago, drafting out my thoughts on the subject and enjoying my commune with ducks, geese, a long-necked swan, and an enormous vast swath of green grass and cloud-covered sky, I had a moment of pause. Am I the only one who feels this way about this song? Was this just youth camp conditioning? How do some of my spiritual contemporaries in the African-American culture feel about it today, in the year 2021? I paused in my thinking, looked up at the midsummer storm-brewing sky, smiled at the man walking toward me from the parking lot toward the pier to fish with his boxer dog. Here was divine order. The man, who was African American, was smiling at me as his dog pulled their leash excitedly in my direction and served as an icebreaker for us to introduce ourselves through her. After a few moments chatting with JJ and Roxy, I blurted out, let me ask you a question. I explained about the blog post I was writing and asked if he'd ever sung Kumbaya. Me sing? He chuckled. No. But do you know the song? I asked. I think so. What does Kumbaya mean again? Isn't it like bye-bye? No, I explained. It's supposedly come by here, as in come by here, my lord. That clenched it. JJ knew exactly what I meant. I'll tell you some of my own Kumbayas, he said without missing a beat. The rest of our conversation in the park that day was a living testimony to the power of Kumbaya. Kumbaya even in call and response. I'm the youngest of 11 children, he told me. I have five brothers and five sisters. In my family, we fish, especially the men. Like I'm talking, my first fishing trip with daddy at five years old was spending three days up in Wisconsin. That morning, as we packed up to leave and said goodbye to mama, she started crying, like tears streaming down her face crying. I'm like five years old and I'm thinking, what is wrong? Is something going to happen to me? He stopped his story and asked me directly, now why was she crying like that? I was already moved, pupils dilated, heart palpitating. Because her baby was becoming a man, I cried out. Then I chuckled at myself and explained to my newly acquainted soul friend, I have little boys. He smiled and nodded in fully complicit comprehension. Right. His life lessons continued. When I was 15, I started chasing a different kind of tail, if you know what I mean. Here he chuckled and winked, and I laughed as well, replying, Girls! Girls! (laughs) right, right. Daddy invited me to a weekend fishing trip, but I told him I didn't want to go overnight, that I'd meet up with him in the morning. I swear I saw him wipe a tear out of the corner of his eye. Now, why was that? He asked me again. Because his baby was becoming a man, I repeated, nodding and smiling with recognition. Right. He smiled back again. J.J. told me of some of his own kumbaya moments, years spent in the Iraq war as a mechanic, fully aware he was part of what he dubbed a war machine, even as he got to know women and children in Saudi Arabia, where he was stationed both to protect them and inadvertently harm their families, in his observation. The moment he stepped onto the plane and left that land, flying home to freedom, and then landed only to realize that the U.S. civilian life he'd longed to return to was marked by a complete preoccupation with the self and an almost total disregard for others by stark contrast to his time spent in a military unit where, for instance, if he went to get a bottle of water for himself, he returned with six more to pass out to his compatriots. And more personally, the roiling emotions of his divorce, where he was happy to bid goodbye, but mournful of the loss of what was. Roxy wagged and panted between us the entire time as we talked. Petting her periodically, thanking her little doggy soul for bringing us together in such perfect timing was another sort of kumbaya, for me at least. I've had my own deeper moments too, just like JJ. Just like you, my dear reader friend or listener. Not the least of these in my life was the moment someone kicked in the door to my apartment and rescued me from a pill overdose in an attempted suicide. All human lives are marked by these soul stamping moments of indelible change, even if they come quietly, even if we choose to deny them or write them off after the fact. Every life is marked by them, whether or not we honor the opportunity to transform ourselves and transform our fellow humans and kind by sharing these experiences in her guest spot on my podcast, my soul friend Della shared a number of highly wowing examples. Her stories are most compelling in her own words, but here are my summaries of two that she shared. In her young adulthood, she accepted an invitation to a double blind date where she was set up with her friend's Beau's relative. When he offered her to drive when he offered to drive her home, she felt safe enough to accept except that he then diverted to a motel she refused to get out of the car and says he responded by attempting to physically pull her out so hard she had bruises the next day she scooted into the driver's side and clutched the steering wheel in efforts to escape him and anchor herself in the only safe refuge she knew in that moment internally she cried out to her god a soul deep plea for mercy god what can i say to make him stop in her head A calm knowing overcame her then, she shares in her retelling. All of a sudden, I started speaking and I told him, you don't want to do this. This isn't you. And even though she didn't know him well, she knew it was true, with an inner knowing, confident, and peaceful. And I'm telling you, she concluded powerfully, it stopped. He just calmed down and got back in the car. Kumbaya. Her other example includes a fight or flight moment of a different kind. Standing at a bus stop one night on her way home from college classes, a man approached her and spit a racial epithet at her, then actually spit on her face. Today, this would legally be deemed an assault, and though it was so at the time, it was not yet illegal. Della stood appalled, horrified, assaulted, and deeply frightened. What else was this man going to do if he could go this far to a total stranger on a public sidewalk? She cried out to God from inside her heart again, and watched this hate-filled man take a few steps down the sidewalk only to fall to his knees, clutch his chest, and have what appeared to be a heart attack. As she says, it was his toxic venom that poisoned his own soul, but the timing was a godsend from her perspective in that her attacker had been disarmed by greater universal forces that Della herself did not need to control. In biblical terms, perhaps, God smote him. Love one. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. For every cheesy, stereotypical Hollywood movie moment where the protagonist delivers a heartfelt speech that wins the girl, solves the case, or sells the big idea, there is the reminder of an authentic moment when someone was moved in real life by a deeply impassioned plea that stirred to action or completely changed another's thinking with significant results. And that is the power of Kumbaya." Anne Frank did not survive the Holocaust tragically, but her diary did, and her warnings for humanity to end suffering echo through the generations. Will we be brave enough to do something different, or will we look to defense as only ever offensible? Where have you and can you experience kumbaya in your own life in our now more than ever global community? Consider then, the cosmic perspective and implications of this very different stanza from one of the most radically different variations of the song. For the second on this world you made, for the love that will never fade, for a heart beating with joy, for all that's real, for all we feel, O Lord, Kumbaya. Okay, well, I hope that hearing that is as moving to you as it was to me to write it and to read it. And I am grateful for your listening ear and your sharing this moment with me. I'm going to do something maybe cheesy, (laughs) possibly expected. I am going to end this, uh, this episode today on... A recording of kumbaya and i actually found from their youtube channel the Soweto gospel choir and so it's their kumbaya and they put their h after the k and their version of because this this word itself is spelled many different ways it's um it's one of those things that's just like a fabric of the world now and so this is a version of the Soweto gospel choir and um you know, potentially with irony, this song was possibly brought to them by white missionaries. I do not know the um, origins of that for them. Um, This specific version may have been. So I just want to point that out too and just say that this is a cycle though that um, there is this sense of transformation and we all get this from each other in different ways. And when you have been impacted by the truly, Grave gravity of kumbaya, then in some ways it doesn't matter where it comes from because it is so transformative. So, um, here is the song from YouTube. <laughs> And so um, there it is, the Soweto Gospel Choir singing this great version of Kumbaya <clears throat> in which um, the lyrics in case... The, because the individual singers weren't mic'd up individually, um, you might not have understood that they were saying someone's crying Lord, somebody's crying Lord, somebody's praying Lord um, and Kumbaya. And then their chorus was, as I lift my voice and say, I need your love today. Um, there was another stanza where they said, you know, somebody's singing and someone thinks that nobody's there and we know, Lord, you'll always make a way. And so, um, I just love that. And then it goes into, um, non-English into, um, African. I don't know what language they were speaking. Someone else could inform me of that. And, um, and it was beautiful and is very colorful. It's a lovely video. So check that out on YouTube on the Soweto Gospel Choir website or uh, channel and my final thought on this what does kumbaya mean to me to those who dismiss it there i understand i completely get it that the idea is that holding hands and singing is not taking action and usually when it's used it's people are trying to say like we have to take real action we can't just hold hands and sing kumbaya their thought is that this is not taking action and i want to say that i completely disagree What does kumbaya mean to you? Let me know. We'll see you later, meditators.